Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Monday, March 30th, 2020. This is Shannon, and I am here today with Brooke, and we are going to talk about books by Canadian authors. We have done a couple of other episodes similar to this, and that we've chosen like a region, you know, books set in the American South, or books by or about women. Um, so this is books by Canadian authors, and we have several fantastic things to tell you about. But before we do that, we have to, of course, give you the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right. So do you want to start us off with your first book, Brooke? Ooh, sure. rhymey. <laughs> all right so the first book that i'm going to talk about is full disclosure by beverly mclaughlin and beverly mclaughlin is a former chief justice so she has written on um, this her debut novel it's a legal thriller and being a chief justice she really does know what she's talking about so i quite enjoyed this book um, I liked the legal procedure stuff that she talked about. I liked, um, I liked the storyline. So this, the main character of this book, her name is Jilly, and she is a defense attorney, and she is starting her own firm. She's decided to take on a case where a man has been accused of killing his wife. And she really doesn't feel that he did it, and she thinks that she can get him off. But she's being told by a lot of her, like, not co-workers, but, like, I guess her colleagues in the legal field that she really shouldn't take on this case because there's no way that she's going to win. And, and she's always, she's a really, really good lawyer, so she's always winning her cases. And they're like, this is just a losing case. But she's decided, no, I'm going to take this on. So she takes it on. But as she's investigating, she, she's really only finding things that point to the fact that maybe he did it. And that's making her a little bit frustrated. But at the same time, she's learning things about her own life. Um, so she was raised in the foster system. And she doesn't really know anything about her biological father, for example. So she's learning things about her life and it's kind of changing things for her. And that's about all that the synopsis really gives us. So I'm going to stop there. 
but this is Full Disclosure by Beverly McLaughlin. I want to check this out. I remember when you were reading it um, and you were saying that you were really liking it. So it is on my list of things. It kind read. of reminded me of like John Grisham, like that kind of okay. legal procedural. Beautiful. Um, it takes place in Vancouver. So that was really neat for me that it was a Canadian author writing about a Canadian city. Well, I also have a Canadian author writing a sort of procedural set in Canada. So my first book tonight is The Drowned Girls by Laureth Ann White. This is the first book in her Angie Pallarino series, and I love this series so much. I guess, to be fair, I love pretty much anything this author writes, but her <laughs> Angie Pallarino books are super great. I agree. So Angie is a police detective. And she has kind of a short fuse. She's one of these people who's always kind of acting first and thinking later. And she gets herself into all kinds of very unpleasant situations because of this. And she does her job well, except when her sort of impetuousness, um, you know, gets in her way. So she is investigating a series of murders that she finds out is linked to some sexual assaults that happened like several years ago. And as she starts digging deeper into this case, she's also dealing with some secrets from her own past. Um, her mother has recently gone into like a nursing home and she has started to say some things to Angie that really raise questions in her mind as far as like where Angie really came from. So not only is she focused on this investigation, but she's trying to figure out, you know, is her mother trying to tell her something or is her illness sort of causing her maybe to lose touch with reality? Like she, she really doesn't know. Um, there is also a slow burn romance here um, with Angie, between Angie and one of her uh, supervisors. He's kind of a, a colleague who later is promoted to like a supervisory role um, and they have really good chemistry. I will say that Angie can be a difficult heroine to fully root for all the time. Um, she does a lot of things that I found like highly questionable. And then I would get annoyed because she wouldn't sort of see her own like culpability in a situation. And she was just like, oh, you know, everyone's against me. And I'm like, no, no, I don't think they are. <laughs> I think like you are against you. Uh -huh. um, but this was just a really, really fast paced, very intense, um, kind of dark thriller with a hint of romance thrown in. So this is The Drowned Girls by Loris Ann White. It's Angie Pallarino, book one. I really love this one. And I love the third book in the series equally well. Um, the second one was slow for me, but it's still... Like, they're just all very, very worth reading. I really enjoyed that series. Yes. Yeah, she is so great. So the next book that I'm going to talk about, we're going to move on from uh, legal thrillers, and I'm going to go to Bitten. I'm gonna, oh. Um, so yes. I'm going to go on to Bitten. Otherworld, number one, by Kelly Armstrong. So this book is about werewolves and yes. 
I will have to admit that it wasn't until last year that I really got into werewolves. I don't know why, but werewolves are kind of not really interesting to me, but I'm not really sure why. So I got into werewolves and so Bitten. Bitten is about a woman named Elena, and she is the only female werewolf. And she's really tired of that status that she's got of being strong-minded, of being the one that people call on when they have trouble. And she just wants to be, I guess, human. She just wants to be human. And so she decides to move off to Toronto. And while in Toronto, she starts kind of putting together a life that she really wants to have. But she's called back to help um, her wolf, her uh, werewolf pack by the leader because they've got some rogue wolves and he really needs her help. And she feels that she owes him. So she goes back and helps. And while she's doing this, we begin learning about like how she became a werewolf and the whole kind of relationship between her and some of her pack mates. And we kind of get an idea of why she really isn't happy with how things went before and why she might want to move on to a different kind of place in life. So this is Bitten, Otherworld number one by Kelly Armstrong. So this is one of the first like urban fantasy series that I ever read. And at first when I started it, I was sort of expecting us to stay with these same characters like all through the series. Yeah. And then I realized like, no, you know, that isn't how the series works. And so I really enjoyed seeing Kelly Armstrong's take on not just werewolves, but witches and demons and necromancers. I'm um, looking forward to going on more with this series. Like I've only read the first book and then <sighs> I read the synopsis for the second book and we also get to see Elena. But yes. It'll be stolen. interesting to see where it goes on from there. Yeah, I think Stolen is my favorite in the series. Um, I have not finished it. I think I'll probably go back and reread um, the whole thing so that I can catch up because I stopped reading. I think somewhere along like book seven or eight, I stopped. And not really for any reason. Like it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying the series anymore. I just sort of got distracted. So at some point, I would like to go back and there revisit these. There are just so many these. things out there to read. It gets in I our know. way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so, really looking forward to seeing where this uh, series goes. Yeah, I think you'll like it. It has, you know, because it was written quite a while ago, it has very much like that old school urban fantasy feel. Yep. Um, which is what kind of drew me to urban fantasy like back in the day. So. Oh, neat. Yeah, Kelly Armstrong, and pretty much anything she writes is, like, super great. I love oh, her Rockton books. Yeah, yes. I love her Rockton, and then her other one, um, what's, what's that series called? Oh, the Canesville series. Oh, Canesville, yes. Yeah, yes, I Canesville thought about talking about it, but I know we've already talked about it, so that's why I thought I'd do this one. Yes, it's, it's hard to pick a Kelly Armstrong I know, book to I talk agree. about. <laughs> So how about some historical fiction? My next pick is Wonder by Emma Donahue. And 
Emma Donahue is one of these authors who has written for a long time, but that people didn't really notice until Room came out several years ago and got super popular. Um, and Wonder is the novel that she wrote after Room. It's nothing like Room in the sense that um, Room is more contemporary. This one is set in like 1859. And it is about a nurse named Liv who is called to attend a very, very strange case. There is a young girl who is rumored to have been surviving without food for like oh. months at a time. Well, I could not do that. Uh, I think, you know, no one really can. And this is what <laughs> she couldn't figure out. Like, how is it possible that you're not eating for months and yet like you're surviving? And not only how is it possible, but why... Why are your parents letting this happen? Like, what's going on? So she goes to this small village, and she starts to sort of get to know the family. And at first, they're sort of suspicious of her because, like, they are pretty sure that she's there to sort of disprove what's going on and to show that, you know, somehow this child is actually eating and it's being hidden and that there's, like, some sort of motive for these people sort of pretending that she's not eating. And this whole case has garnered a lot of attention. There's a journalist who has come up um, to study this as well. And this doctor who's kind of shady, like has a pretty big stake in proving that, yes, like this is some sort of miracle. Um, and as Liv gets to know the family and more importantly, like this young girl, she starts to realize that there's a lot more going on and it calls into question a lot of her sort of core beliefs about faith and science and what are human beings capable of? Like, is it possible that there are times in our lives when we can do things that sort of defy science? And I'm not going to tell you whether it's possible or not, because that would be wrong and spoilery. Um, but it was just a really, really fascinating read. It wasn't like super action-packed in the way that room was like you weren't on the edge of your seat but it's a sort of quieter kind of more introspective look at the human condition and like I said kind of what people are capable of um, it's not the book that Donahue is most well known for as I said but it is definitely one that I enjoyed and if you liked room or technically I guess even if you didn't or if you haven't read it um, I highly recommend wonder by Emma Donahue. I actually have room on my list of books to read and it's been there for a while so I'm looking forward to checking it out and this this book looks really interesting too. I know that you don't usually do audiobooks but if you get a chance to read room in audio I highly recommend it because they have this this narrator who is so so good the story is told from the point of view of a five-year-old boy right and they have this really young sounding narrator um oh, and neat. she just does a phenomenal job it's very eerie in places but <laughs> it's just so so well done i'll have to look for it then yes so the next book that i'm going to talk about is lullabies for little criminals by heather o'neill and this book is kind of heart-wrenching, and it's also 
um, I guess heart-wrenching and hard to read, which are kind of the same thing. But um, it's about a girl named Baby and her father, Jules. And father, uh, sorry, and Jules is 15 years older than Baby. So he, him and Baby are kind of growing up together. Well, Baby, she... This book is told from her perspective, and you get to see how baby, she really sees the good, and she tries to see the good in everything. Like, no matter what she's doing, she tries to see the good in it. While this is happening, she, her father's struggling with a heroin addiction, as well as an undiagnosed mental illness. And you get to see how their interactions together, how and her baby's interactions with kind of her community around her, how they, they're kind of, I don't know, I would would kind of describe them as being kind of rough and like kind of tough to read about because you learn about the addiction that Jules has and how in a way he takes better care of his heroin addiction than he takes care of baby. Like baby is left to kind of fend for herself and there's times when Jules is so kind of in his head that he kind of starts accusing Baby of doing things that she's really not doing. Um, while this is all is happening, Baby is getting older. And when she's 13, this is kind of when it all starts, she g- catches the eye of a local pimp. and you get to see like her interactions with him and it's so so tough to read so this book is lullabies for little criminals by heather o'neill and i love her writing like the prose are just amazing and you really really feel like you're there on the streets of montreal i have tried so hard to read her i tried this one i tried um Oh, I'm thinking about a hotel. Oh, um, I can't think of the name of it right I now. I can't remember it either. <laughs> uh, it's about like orphans and um, yeah. and all of her like her synopses look super interesting to me, and I really enjoy like darker books. But for some reason, it's just I... really descriptive, and you can really feel the characters. Like you really, really feel like you're there, and you have to kind of keep that in mind I guess like not a lot of action really happens in these books it's kind of the lives of the characters like kind of you almost feel like you could be seeing the life of of, life of a friend really Mm -hmm. well speaking of things that are action-packed let's talk about those girls by Chevy Stevens and Chevy Stevens is known for writing super disturbing books. Um, her debut novel, debut novel is called Still Missing, and it scared me so, so, so much. So this <laughs> one also kind of scared me, but in a different way. Um, I have to say that if you don't like to read pretty detailed descriptions of abuse, um, both sexual and physical, this is probably not a book that you're going to want to read. But this is the story of three sisters, Jess, Courtney, and Danny. And they live on a ranch 
And pretty much when they're young, they're just sort of trying to stay away from their father. He's very abusive, very unpredictable. And so the three girls kind of band together and just do their best to live their lives, stay out of his way. But one night something happens, things get really out of hand and the girls are forced to run away. So they do this and they're sort of expecting that things are gonna be hard, but eventually, you know, they'll, they'll make it through. They'll figure out kind of what they're gonna do and, and learn to cope with this like new version of their lives. But that isn't what happens. The truck that they're in breaks down in this small town and they are pulled into the orbit of a couple of very, very strange and dangerous men. And as the story goes on, you see that like things just don't go well for them. And then we jump 18 years into the future and the girls are now living under assumed names and pretty much they've done all they can to kind of leave their past behind. But it turns out that they can't do that. One of them goes missing and the other two are sort of swept back into their past to try to figure out, like, did what happened to her now have anything to do with what happened to them all those years ago? So this is super intense. Um, I had no idea where it was going. It's just, it's utterly chilling. Um, but I, I love it so, so much. So this is Those Girls, and it's by Chevy Stevens. I haven't read any of her books, so I'll have to oh, check them out. Yes, and there are like five or six of them now, Oh, and nice. they're so, so good. So the next book that I'm going to talk about is Blood Price, Vicki Nelson, number one, by Tanya Huff. And this book... It was written back in the 90s, so it was kind of takes place before we had cell phones. So that, since um, reading the reviews, it kind of talks about this being like the start of urban fantasy. So um, some people have even kind of said that it wouldn't, it doesn't really, I'm trying to think what the word is, it doesn't really survive the test of time I guess oh because you've got like landlines and pagers and (laughs) all these things exactly I guess but it was so good anyway like for me I didn't mind so as long as you don't mind that there's uh landlines and pagers and things like that then you'll definitely enjoy it so Vicky Nelson is a former homicide cop in Toronto and she has a visual impairment she's got RP so she has retired from the police force because she feels that her visual impairment and her loss of vision is going to impact her job Um, she has decided that instead of doing being a cop she's going to become a private investigator So one day when she is going down into the subway system to go home, she comes across a murder in progress. And it's this shadowy, I don't know, creature or thing that has killed this person. 
And it, witnessing this kind of pulls her into the whole investigation because being a former cop, she really just can't walk away. And while while investigating, she has to work alongside her former police partner, Michael, um, Mike. And um, they also, we also meet um, like a vampire in the city and he is, I don't know, he's, I don't know if he's a leader of a vampire group or if he's just kind of an important person, but his name is Henry and he is supposedly- Henry the vampire. <laughs> I know, and it's supposedly he is Henry the sixth illegitimate son. And together, Henry, Mike, and Vicky, they investigate this thing because this case because they think that maybe a vampire is doing it because of the way that the bodies are being the bodies are kind of appearing and like and how like the killings are happening so as they're investigating they work together and we learn more about each of the characters and we learn more about Henry but while he's doing this he's also beginning to have to come out of the darkness like he has to come like he's kind of becoming a little bit more public than he'd like and that can lead to problems obviously because he's a vampire and you know people don't tend to like vampires so this is blood price vicky nelson number one by tanya huff I have never read Tanya Huff, and I think that it makes was actually me, like, really good. I was I I really liked it, and I thought it was so cool that she had a visual impairment that I actually knew. That is very was. cool. I'm gonna have to go back and read these because I feel like a very terrible fantasy reader for never having read these. <laughs> so I also have an urban fantasy. This uh, courtesy of Mika who recommended it to us in uh, a group chat last week. And I was really looking for something just sort of to get lost in. And so I I dove into this. This is Cupcakes, Trinkets, and Other Deadly Magic by Megan Sienna Deutsch. Um, It is book one in her Dowser series. And when I first started reading this, I was expecting it to be kind of a cozy mystery. And I don't really like those. Um, Mika said that it wasn't like that, but I'm apparently not a very trusting sort of person because (laughs) even though she said it wasn't, I still sort of was thinking of like, yeah, with a title like this, though, it has to be like really silly. And it's, it's totally not. So our heroine is a baker. And she owns a kind of cupcake cafe that she calls Cake in a Cup, which I love because that's how I refer to cupcakes all the time. Um, And cupcakes are my favorite things. Oh, I love cupcakes. Cupcakes are amazing. So Cake in a Cup is this kind of like boutique, you know, cupcake place. There's all these like very unique recipes and they have names like Lust in a Cup and Sin in a Cup. Oh. And Ecstasy in a Cup. Oh. And apparently, there's also a cookbook that goes along with this series um, in case you want to try to bake, you know, lust in a cup or something. But anyway, so she is the granddaughter of a very powerful witch. 
And she herself possesses what she considers kind of minimal magical ability. Um, she's able to kind of make what she calls trinkets that are little bits and pieces of magical items that she strings together and she finds them like very peaceful, very attractive. Sometimes like she'll wear them as jewelry. Sometimes she'll just kind of hang them around her house. And as far as she's concerned, that's just all they are just sort of you know, decorative objects um, that she has a talent for making. But one day when she's hanging out in the bakery, she looks out and there's a vampire standing outside. Oh. And he doesn't seem able to come in because the bakery is very well warded since her grandmother is this very powerful witch. But she's a little concerned. Um, she's always been told that vampires are very dangerous. This kind of goes back to what you were saying about Henry and, you know, people not really liking vampires. Yeah. Um, these people do not really like vampires. So she is very concerned about this, but nobody else seems able to see the vampire, which is also kind of creepy to her. In the meantime, her younger sister is getting involved with a necromancer, and their relationship is heating up, and she seems to be getting um, a little too impetuous for her own good, and she seems to be getting involved in some things that aren't the best, but our heroine is just kind of like, well, you know, she's young, and she needs to grow up a little bit, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about this. But then werewolves begin to show up dead. Oh. And now she is sort of drawn into the investigation because some of her trinkets have been used to help like, kill these werewolves. And so people are starting to think that maybe she has something to do with this. Oh. Um, she, of course, does not. And as she's trying to kind of clear her name and figure out what happens, she begins to understand that there is a lot more to her power than she originally thought. And her family seems to know this and seem to be working really hard to keep her powers like under wraps. Um, I don't know why yet. I finished the first book in the series. I'm really anxious to go on to the second one because I really want to see where things go, and I would like to understand more about her power. Um, but this is just a lot of fun. It takes place um, in Vancouver, and it just has such a, I don't know, such a delightful mix of, like, quirky writing and darkness. I would say it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, Kim Harrison's The Hollows crossed with um, Carrie Arthur's Riley Jensen series. So I just really, really enjoyed this first book, and I definitely plan to read the rest. But this is Cupcakes, Trinkets, and Other Deadly Magic, The Dowser Book One by Megan Sienna Deutsch. I actually just got this book on Kindle, so I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, I think you'll like it. So the next book that I'm going to talk about is The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mundell. And I was waiting for this book so, so long because Emily hasn't written a book in a while. And I loved her other books. So I was really, really looking forward to a new book and it came. And so now I'm going to talk about it. So Yay. The Glass Hotel 
is about a woman named Vincent. And Vincent is a bartender at a pretty fancy hotel. While she is working, the owner of the hotel comes in and has a drink. And then he actually gives her his business card with his phone number on it. And while this is happening, it sounds kind of weird because like all these things happen. So her um, half brother is working at the hotel and he scrawls this message on the window and it's supposed to be meant for the owner to see. And it says, why don't you swallow some girl, some glass? And I'm not, um. <laughs> yeah. So of course he gets told to leave the hotel and he does. And the owner of the hotel actually never sees the message. This message is actually seen by one of the other patrons of the hotel or the patrons of like the hotel bar. So this all has happened. And we fast forward um, about a year and Vincent is now the kind of wife. So they're not really married, but he's, they, they kind of work as husband and wife of the owner of that hotel. His name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is an investor and he is organizing a Ponzi scheme. And this Ponzi scheme has money wrapped into it from an artist, um, a Saudi prince, and some other important people. Well, as all things happen, the Ponzi scheme collapses. Yeah, and usually Vincent do. disappears. Whoa. Um, and she reappears on a barge. And this barge is owned by a company called Neptune, which happens to be owned by the patron of the bar that had seen that message scrawled on the glass. And all these characters, like we kind of get to see how they're all wrapped into each other and how all of their lives have kind of intertwined. And this book it kind of goes back and forth between now and the future, as well as looking at like, what if something, like what if other decisions have been made? And like, what if, like would things be better if they had decided one thing over another? And so this book is, um, it was kind of like, like with reading the synopsis, I was kind of confused, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so it's called The Glass Hotel, and it's by Emily St. John Mendel. I can't decide if this book like, intrigues me or just really confuses me. I just don't know. <laughs> the, the synopsis makes it really, really confusing, so it's also hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. But the book itself, I didn't find it that confusing. All right, so I have to go back to some historical fiction because that's just how I go here. So my next pick is based on the true story of the Dion quintuplets. So this is The Quintland Sisters by Shelley Wood. 
So the Dion quintuplets were born in Montreal, um, right around like the turn of the 20th century. And their family was very, very poor and was in no way expecting that five babies were going to be born. Like that's just, no one even like thought that was a possibility. I couldn't even imagine. No, no. You have to talk to Arizona. Like she had 10 puppies. So, you know, maybe she can tell you how it would be to have five. But anyway, (laughs) um, for people who don't know, Arizona is a dog. Brooks dog who had 10 puppies. Anyway, so this story is told from the point of view of Emma Trimpany, who is the fictional midwife um, and later nurse of these quintuplets. And so she helps out at the birth of these babies and then sort of stays on because it becomes very clear that this family is just overwhelmed by everything that goes along with not only having five babies, but sort of the notoriety that comes with having these quintuplets, all of whom survive. And now like this family is just sort of thrust into the public eye. But it's not long before the government decides that this family is just not equipped to care for these children. And so these children are taken away and are ensconced nearby in this giant, like, hospital, sort of, that has been built just for them. And every day, people are allowed to walk through and just sort of, like, watch these children. And this goes on for years and years. These children grow up sort of behind glass, and people are able to come and, like, watch them play and watch them study. Pretty much just anything they do is done, you know, under such close observation. Um, In a lot of ways, you know, this is telling the story of like what the lives of these children must have been like, but it also is Emma's story. And we kind of see like how this is for her, who was also you know, she comes from kind of a, a humble background and she did not expect to be thrust so, so firmly into like public view. Um, and so we get to see how she spends like so many years with these little girls and becomes very, very attached to them, but also begins to wonder like, is it, is it right that they are kept from their, their birth family? Like, is it true that their family cannot care for them? And is it better to live with your family who may be poor or is it better to live sort of in this like grandiose sort of public viewing hospital? Um, I just found it really, really intriguing because I didn't know a lot about the Dion quintuplets when I first picked this up. Um, And I actually now have a nonfiction book that is like a true account of their lives that I want to read um, now that I've read this. So this is the Quintland Sisters, and it is the debut novel by Shelley Wood. It sounds interesting, and I actually don't know a lot about the quintuplets, so this would probably um, be a good starting point. Yes, I think you'd like it. It's, it's very, very cool. But also very, very sad. Yes. <laughs> so the last book that I'm going to talk about tonight is Falling Kingdoms. Falling Kingdoms, number one, by Morgan Rhodes. And this book is about 
four people. Their names are Chloe, Jonas, Lucia, and Magnus. And they're all from different kingdoms within this land called Matika. Matika. It's like M-Y-T-I-C-A. And so these kingdoms have all been peaceful, but there's this brewing rebellion happening because, or brewing war, because they kind of want, they want, the kingdoms want more, like the lands want more, the people want more, because in one land, the people seem to have everything. At least that's what the other kingdoms feel. Where in another land, they have really nothing. And so Chloe is from the kingdom where, well, they think anyway, that they have everything. And she, her sister's really, really ill. And she feels that she must go and find this magical being that could possibly help her sister. Then we've got Jonas, and he's from the land that is very poor. And he's um, the son of a guy who sells wine, so a winemaker. And Jonas finds himself the leader of a rebel faction. And then we've got Magnus and Lucia. And Magnus and Lucia are so-called siblings. And the reason I say so-called is because Lucia is a sorceress and she has been stolen from her family as a baby and brought to this kingdom to be raised by the royal family because they feel that with her powers that big things could happen. So this book is like an epic fantasy so sort of like Game of Thrones or um, any other like kingdom and palace and kind of throne kind of things. So this book, it's, um, this one is a lot of about kind of like world building and getting, getting us used to who all the characters are. And we get to witness the war between all of the kingdoms. And then I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next. So this is Falling Kingdoms, Falling Kingdoms number one by Morgan Rhodes. This has been on my radar for a little while. I really liked the first two Game of Thrones books. Yep. So I'm anxious to read this one. Um, it's very like a lot of the reviews compare it to Game of Thrones and they say like if you're looking for something different, it's not really different. It's just, it's similar but not the same, if that makes Right, sense. like not, it probably has a similar feel to Game of Thrones without yes. actually like being. So it's nothing original. Like that's the way they kind of describe it as. Like it's okay. not original, but it's different enough that it's like you, it's very good. It's, it, it's a good read. So I had a hard time choosing my last book. Um, because there are like so many that I could talk about. But I'm going to go with An Unwanted Guest by Shari LaPena. And this is an author that I've been reading now for a while, and I never knew she was Canadian until I actually spoke to her. 
Um, all of her books are set in upstate New York. And so I just sort of thought like that that's where she was from. But she's actually Canadian and she's just like a super warm and lovely person. I interviewed her um, last summer when her um, 2019 book came out. But this one is An Unwanted Guest and it's set again in upstate New York. And it follows kind of a large cast of characters and they're all going up for this kind of weekend away at a very small, exclusive bed and breakfast. And each of them has come to this place for like a certain thing. So there's like a couple who is celebrating their recent engagement. There's also a couple who have been married for many years and they're kind of facing what might be the end of their marriage if they can't like, get things sorted out. Um, there are two women who are longtime friends. One of them is a soldier who has recently come back from Afghanistan and is dealing with some PTSD. So there's just a lot going on for all of these people. But they're all kind of in this remote bed and breakfast, and the power goes out. There's a terrible snowstorm. The power goes out, and then people begin to die. Oh. in very mysterious ways. And so no one really knows like who is responsible for this killing. Is it like one of them who's staying at the bed and breakfast? Is it an employee of the bed and breakfast? Or is there someone else who's kind of hiding there that no one knows about? Um, I really like kind of books where people are like, trapped in the wilderness um, and this has a little bit of that wilderness feel because they're kind of cut off from the rest of civilization because of the snow. Um, and it's just, it's really excellent. It's kind of in the same way that you're talking about um, Fallen Kingdoms and that like it's not the most original thing you've ever read. Yep. And this isn't either, um, but it does its thing so, so well. It, and, I agree. And so it's really able to just like keep you kind of caught in in this story and you have no idea who you can trust. You see things from various points of view and there's just no way to know until the end, like who is a trustworthy narrator? Like maybe no one is. Um, if you do it in audio, Hilary Huber is the narrator and I love her so, so much. Um, this author has been really lucky with her narrators because she's gotten like Tavia Gilbert in the past and Kirsten Potter Hillary Huber, so she just has really excellent narrators and really, really stellar writing. So again, this is An Unwanted Guest, and it was the 2018 release by Shari LaPena. I really enjoyed this book. I saw yeah, this I did too. enjoy her 2019, but I oh, you didn't enjoy this one. No, I didn't. Oh. I couldn't get, I just, I think I read the first, like, I don't know, six or seven chapters. And I was like, I can't okay. do it. Yeah, I, I just really couldn't do it. that one. Um, I didn't like her first one, which was The Couple Next Door. Yeah. Um, but I've liked the other ones of hers that I've read. All right. So that does it for us this evening. Hopefully you have found some things to add to your TBR pile, either new authors to check out or... Um, more books by authors you have already read. Thanks to Brooke for not only talking with me about Canadian authors, but for putting forth this idea 
as an episode topic. Sometimes we, we do struggle to come up with those. So it's always good when somebody has an idea. Thanks goes out, as always, to Christine for all of the editing that she does on each of these episodes so that you can enjoy listening to them without, you know, some of the, like, crosstalk and, and strangeness Bloopers. that occurs. Yes, <laughs> those do uh, that, you know, happen when we try to record these. But most importantly, I have to thank all of you who have joined us. Um, it's hard for me to believe sometimes that we've been doing this now for like a year and a half. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just strange to me sometimes. But thank you so much to all of you who have joined us as we talk about all of the books that we love and sometimes um, some other like miscellaneous things as well. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.